0: Welcome to Sustainable Business Fridays. I'm your host, Katie Elman. Sustainable Business Fridays is the first podcast of its kind, bringing together students in Bard College's MBA in Sustainability program with leaders in business, sustainability, finance, not-for-profits, social entrepreneurship, and more. Twice monthly, these conversations go live via iTunes and Google Play. In celebration of Bike Month, this week, I'm joined by first-year BARD MBA student and co-founder of Chain Reaction, Megan Altman, and we're speaking with Karen Overton, founder and executive director of Recycle a Bicycle. Good morning,
1: Karen. Um, Thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me. I am really happy to have you with us today and excited for this call.
2: It's my pleasure, Megan. Thanks for inviting me
1: course. So just last week, uh, Recycle a Bicycle announced its merger with Bike New York, um, something that's been in the works, you had said, for the past three years. So a big congratulations for that. That's exciting news. Um, And with this recent news, I'd love to take a look back at how Recycle a Bicycle got to where it is today. In
2: 1994, I was an employee of Transportation Alternatives, and uh, I was hired to do a enforce the traffic uh, speed limit campaign, which was just three months. And in that period, the Department of Sanitation um, called and said, we want to do a program that marries the, the issue of latchkey kids, kids who didn't have parents at home or adults at home after school with uh, uh, the issue of bicycle recycling. Around the country, there was. Uh, programs um, just launching called Earn a Bike, and someone had read about this program and approached us to consider these, um, consider writing a proposal. So I prepared that, and then fast forward that uh, May um, of 1994, we started a partnership with a local school up in Washington Heights, and with the... Children's Aid Society, which is a very uh, well-established, well-respected youth development agency and children's services agency. So we set up a bike shop in the basement of a middle school. And from there, we were invited to do after school, but it was such a success that they invited us to do summer program, and then uh, that fall, we were integrated into the school programming. From there, it sort of mushroomed, and people were calling all the time. How can I do this in my school? Not just here in in uh, New York, but from around the country. So, we published a uh, a book called Tools for Life: How to Start Up a Recycle a Bicycle Program, and then and then it just kind of took on a life of its own. We realized because we had so many bikes we were collecting and that many of them were undesirable for earn-a-bike. So back in the early 90s, three speeds were kind of considered grandmother bikes and road bikes hadn't made a comeback yet. Everyone wanted the mountain bike and the BMX. So one of the challenges was what do we do with these bikes that the kids didn't want? And the obvious conclusion for me was, well, let's start a bike shop, but transportation alternatives did not want to do that. So we um split off and became our known, own nonprofit and a friendly a friendly divorce. <laughs> and <laughs> then um um started partnering with Henry Street Settlement. They have a um summer youth employment program that we have been collaborating on since 1995. So from there, we did an initial job training program and capitalized our our bike shop with $4,000, or capitalized our bike shop, and the first year we earned $4,000. The next year, uh, we decided that based on our weekend experience, we would... Open on after school as well, and so then we made sixteen thousand. They're like, well, this is working. So from there, we opened our first storefront, and and then we went to like thirty five thousand. So today we're making almost four hundred thousand each year, and and we have two retail stores and an education center and a place where we can warehouse the collected bikes. Um, Since that first school partnership, we um, changed the way we partner with schools. We've decided in order to have a a bigger bang for the buck, we do teacher trainings. So now every summer we offer uh, 20 hours of teacher training and they become uh, certified bike instructors. And then we provide technical support. We'll go out and um, We'll we'll send them bikes that match the heights and types of bikes that the kids want. Um, they can come shopping at our warehouse for those bikes, or they can send us a list and we'll truck them over. We order their supplies because um, we can get wholesale prices.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, we also will go and do safety inspections or special invite the kids to do community service projects in our education center. We continue every summer to have up to 10 students as paid uh, mechanic apprentices, uh, people learning how to be apprentices. And then in our two shops, we will hire our best students to work with us throughout the year, generally in after school or weekend hours. And and we also offer internships to high school or high school students Um who may not have done the summer youth employment, but who have gone through earn-a-bike and then can um, join, uh, like, hone their skills in the
1: shop. Okay. That's an incredible journey (laughs) and very interesting, Um, especially for me with my organization and just starting out right now. Um, With those, the teacher training is an interesting approach, and when you say they're certified earn-a-bike instructors, is that league certification with the American Bicycle League, or is that uh, Recycle a Bicycles own certification course?
2: It's, it's our own certification program. So, if okay. you take that class, um, in m- some cases we have a Safe Foods to School grant in partnership with the New York City Department of Transportation. If a teacher takes our training class, often they come unpaid to, to take that class. It means that they then are eligible for up to three to five uh, workstations, which is $500 each plus the specialty tools plus the supplies. So it's like that makes them eligible for a grant to start up and earn a bike program or if a teacher is uh transferring or leaving the school for whatever reason then they might want to nominate someone to take the program over and take that training. So we provide a, that ongoing service just to keep all the schools refreshed. And we're now having conversations about doing professional development throughout the school year and our first ones in March.
1: Great. <laughs> Do you find that the demand from the schools for this teacher training in the Earn a Bike program is is um, more than you can keep up with, or is it? Definitely, just out we cannot.
2: <laughs> I think what happened. Um, so you know, 20 years ago, people thought uh, bicycling was not safe. And in preparation for the bike share system here in New York City, the mayor uh, back at the time Bloomberg had demanded or required that there be enough bike infrastructure before we brought in bike share. And as a result, that legitimized biking in a way that the advocates hadn't been able to. Um, People who started City Bike has been um, a successful program here, and there's many more people biking now as a result. And I think at that point, principals started thinking, people are doing this. We better be. We better prepare our students. So instead of seeing it as a liability, they saw it as we better catch up and keep up.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's a life skill.
1: Yeah, I, I would fully agree with that. And so you mentioned the advocacy component, which um, seems to be a large component in every city with with biking and community organizations. Did Recycle a Bicycle? participate in the advocacy approach from the early years.
2: So, I think that um access to a bicycle is is um an important part of promoting the bicycle movement. And so what we're doing is enabling and and we've at first started targeting schools that were in um challenge neighborhoods. So by creating an opportunity for someone to earn a bike without having to pay for it, we were providing access and building a market and a demand for these services. We were also um, adding to the sustainability. So if your bike breaks down, you know how to fix it, even if you don't have the money to take it to a fancy bike shop. So I think that we are we play an important factor, also educating people how to ride safely in the streets, so our ride clubs do that, and um, advocacy shouldn't exist without education, and that's, I feel like that educational role is is where we come in. Saying that, we have regularly brought uh, young people to the National Bike Summit, which is a lobby day organized by the League of American Cyclists. So we have done um, leadership development. I've had students uh, run for election in their high school and put bike parking on their election campaign ticket. We've had students um, lead rides for elected officials showing them i um, sharing with them the ideas on how to improve the, the Brooklyn Greenway. We, six years ago, we started the Youth Bike Summit, and if you imagine a wheel, I felt like Recycle a Bicycle was a hub and that all our programs were spokes leading out to the rim, but that they weren't talking to each other. So they, um, this Youth Bike Summit started as a way to connect our local school teachers and in fact there wasn't a lot of space for groups working in in um low-income communities to meet, gather and meet and share ideas. And so what's happened is it created a national demand for coming together and over the years we have um increased the amount of uh youth participation in planning the event. And last year, we had over 50 percent of youth attend the conference, and we required that every presentation have youth co-present, and whenever uh, we received an application, we prioritized 100 um, percent youth presentations. So we've been—we that we didn't start that way, but it's a goal that we get this um, to become a, a youth— um, run conference, which aren't mm-hmm. doesn't happen very often
1: mhm <laughs> so with the school program um, you started you know becoming incorporated with the schools early on, and I would imagine that 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 you, you provide that service now the model has shifted to where the the teachers are trained but from my experience, you know the school districts do not. Have the funding to pay for the full cost of the program, and our approach has been to come in and offer this program you know for free to the students. Um, where do you find that funding? Is it mostly grant based do you with the four hundred thousand dollars in revenue you mentioned is that is the majority of that Does that come from your bike shops and your storefronts um, so-
2: yeah, so 65% of uh, the recycle-a-bicycle budget was is generated from earned income, which is the retail uh, sales. So we cherry-pick the most expensive bikes and sell them. Um, we fix every bike that we sell is new on the inside and old on the outside, and there's a big demand because of the fear of theft for recycled bikes, um, and then we operate uh, offer a full-service shop so people come back and get repairs and buy. But we cater primarily to commuters. We don't often have uh, high-end bikes. When we do, we're happy, but we don't get them very often. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that customer tends to be a someone who's starting in a club and doesn't want to commit to the full price until they know that they they're going to continue with that recreational riding or mm-hmm. racing. So um, outside of the shops, we get contracts from schools so that they will pay us to, um, to hire mechanics to come in and work with their teachers. We get contracts from Department of Health to provide, uh, for example, we just started up a, an earn-a-bike program in a parks and recreation center in Brownsville. Um, we have an annual benefit each year, but that's um, where our supporters can come and make an end of the year donation. Uh, we work with the uh, three hospitals who often provide mini grants or get um, do fundraising compa- campaigns among the doctors and staff at the hospital. So we've um, we have a, a fairly diverse source <laughs> sources of funding.
1: That's great. That's what's needed. <laughs> yeah. So but primarily
2: we rely on the shops.
1: Okay. That's interesting. That's that's um similar to our approach. And I'm curious, I don't know much about the biking culture in New York, but where I live in Colorado it's it's huge. Um and so we've started a bike shop, a full service bike shop. And I'm wondering if when you started your bike retail stores and the bike shops, if there were many others in the city that you had to compete with already. And if so, how did you stay competitive as this nonprofit organization establishing service shops in a sea of other service shops? That's
2: interesting because it's changed over time. So, um most shops 20 years ago did not sell used bicycles because they were not warranted. If you sell a bike and it's new, the manufacturer warranties it. Insurance therefore for a used bike escalates because you're relying on your mechanics um and there's no big company to warranty the bike. So people didn't didn't take that route. Um, so we pretty much were one of the few used bicycle shops. There were some shops that spe- specialized in used track bikes or other shops that might have a reputation for selling stolen bikes. So one of the things we could do is say we we can guarantee that this bike was donated to us um, and therefore not stolen off the street, so we don't buy or trade any bikes. Uh, and so established a good reputation that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that after 20 years providing a professional quality repairs, we've earned ourselves a good reputation. And so reputation and word of mouth goes a long way in the community. And I think a lot of people who benefit from our programs, people will travel from the Bronx just to buy a bike from us because we're servicing the school that they work in so we have a lot of we have a lot of love in the bike community
1: Mhm, and i think it goes a long way when you're providing you know top quality service and your customers also want to come to you to shop because they know that their money is being invested in a much larger mission and I, agree. I think that's really important Yep, yeah.
2: yeah, it's Great. we call it the triple bottom line. We have we have Great. to pay the bills, so financial. We have mm-hmm. the social and educational mission, and we have the environmental mission. So we have the environmentalists and the educators um, coming to us because they're supporting our mission.
0: Mm-hmm. So Karen, you said that the beginning of your journey toward recycle bike came when you started working at transportation alternative, but. Can you tell us a little bit about your background before formally joining a biking advocacy organization? Sure.
2: So um, I remember when I uh, had to defend my final paper in graduate school, I was in an urban and regional planning program at the State University of Albany. And I had been an exchange student in high school to Brazil, so I had focused on housing, and um international development as the the choice of my career i had ridden my bike uh to, to classes throughout the four years i was going to college and um had done an internship with the parks department outside of albany on a linear pa uh, uh a linear park they called it so i had been very interested in biking but hadn't seen that as my profession. It, back then there were no such things as bike planners or pedestrian planners. And uh yeah, and so I had not envisioned at all doing what I do now. And then I had the opportunity to apply for bikes for Africa, so I moved to Mozambique and took on a project where I worked with the city council planning bike paths. Um, it was a country in war, so they were in the reconstruction phase at that time. And I also managed a revolving credit fund for women who, women farmers who needed to get their produce to the market to improve their profit margin instead of paying a middleman to transport the, the produce. So that was that was the launch of my <laughs> bike career and when I came back to the United States there were very few paid positions in the bike industry uh, unless you were in the bike industry and in the advocacy industry but New York City had one of the few places where they paid people so I moved here and that's how
1: it all began. Cool. With the recycled bicycles business model do you primarily rely on paid staff or volunteers?
2: Professional mechanics are are we rely on our paid staff. However, we uh collect about 2000, I guess on average 1800 bikes a year and 20% of those are are deconstructed and that and that helps to um, fill our parts bins and reduce our cost of goods sold. However, that requires labor. <laughs> so we mm-hmm. have um, volunteer nights, and people come in, and they'll often get assigned a deconstruction to start out with. So that helps us. It saves skilled labor from doing that. And then, um people feel like they accomplished something without having a lot of knowledge yet and then people choose to come back and uh we actually not only hire from the students that we train but also pulled a lot from our volunteer night, so the uh, regulars often will get roped into our <laughs> to our shop <laughs> family <laughs> uh and and then the kids contribute as well, but we don't. We no longer sell bikes that the kids prepare, just because yeah, we had issues with quality control. So mm-hmm. they don't contribute that way. What we do is um, we've created a program and called the Bike Bonanza, in which we fix up children's bikes. Um, generally, they're easier machines to fix, and then we. We have several shops that come to us and say, hey, it's hiring time. Who do you have? Uh, I am very proud of one young man who now owns his own shop. So he yeah. started with us, worked with us, then worked at a high-end shop, and then opened his own store. And I'm also very proud of the many young people who are hired at City Bike, which is a, a, offers a union-paid job with benefits and is often a better job than a bike shop. Um so at one point over half the mechanics at City Bike are were were trained by Recycle a Bicycle. And I just got an email yesterday saying, "Hey, it's we're hiring. Who are you <laughs> going to send us this year?" And I've already sent two names. So, yeah, That's I, think, <laughs> I think it's not for everyone. Some people are in it because they want to they need transportation. Don't don't want to pay the subway fare or bus fare, and it saves them time. Um, some are in it because they're best friends in it. Some are in it because they're into um, losing weight and the, health, the healthy aspects of, of riding. Mm-hmm. And then the ones who are mechanically oriented, they're the ones who take this and, and make it a, a profession.
1: Coming back to the merger with uh, Bike New York, how did this conversation begin and and what led to the decision to merge?
2: Bike New York um, puts on the biggest bike ride in the United States. It's called the Fibro Bike Tour. So we, and our Recycle Bikes model has always been to partner with other people. We didn't want to get into the business of putting on our own rides it's a whole different um having an event staff and those skill sets are different from what we do and in new york there's a lot of different rides throughout the year and we didn't want to compete with people so bike new york for many years was uh, a key partner they were charitable uh sorry they were non-profit but they weren't charitable and uh in 2010, they filed and received a charitable status. So they developed their own education program, and the person who led that was one of our instructors. So it was, there were some good synergies, but at, as their program grew, we realized, it, you know they were focusing on their own programming and we weren't partnering as much. And then it became clear that people were confusing the work that the education work that we did. They were focusing more on riding and we were focusing more on mechanics. But both of us do each of those things. At some point, it became clear that like we didn't, neither of us wanted to compete with one another. Mm -hmm. So it, it seemed like the best conversation to have, let's, join forces instead of having these confusing conversations with outsiders (laughs) who don't get the division of labor. It shouldn't (laughs) be divided because it's it's complementary. So um, also shops have struggled through the winter, and we've always uh, had to worry about finances uh, in the cold weather. So this kind of solves that problem and uh but for from an event perspective for them being able to offer mechanic training to marshals is something they haven't done as much of and with the by having a shop to do this in they can expand that kind of training to event staff so and and volunteers so i think it's a win win for all of us we're yeah, both very it excited
1: like it. <laughs> yeah Great. And so I think you touched on this a bit, but um, what then does this next year and, you know, even the next five years with this merger, what does it look like for Recycle a Bicycle? I think, you know, now more than ever, the work done in communities and at local organizations is crucial. Mm -hmm. And I'm interested to see what the next five years look like on your horizon Especially with this new merger.
2: So, looking in my crystal ball, what I see <laughs> is um, <laughs> is uh, legitimizing this program uh, in the school system. It's, the Department of Education in New York City is a monster. There's um, over 2,000 schools in New York City, and so trying to crack that nut. We are about to release a bike repair curriculum that's designed for 55-minute classes, and it could be a a 10-week or a 20-week semester program um, as a way to help people who want to start this up uh, to to expand and grow that. And now that we're joining forces with Bike New York, I have the time to do that. i didn't as an administrator of, you know, of a nonprofit, I didn't have the time to to focus on that programming element and expansion that I will right now. So I also uh, have been working with these schools for a number of years, and they do after-school rides, and another challenge for us is getting the DOE to allow these programs to go the next step and like do day trips on the weekend or mm-hmm. overnight trips. So we're hoping to convince uh and get permission for leading a group of students from New York to travel to the Youth Bike Summit, which will happen in um Arlington, Virginia with Phoenix Bikes and uh over Columbus Day and coming up in the next October. So I think that's, um, you know, that's where we want to go. People can, people can travel, and for wrestling tournaments or football games. But for some reason, there's this opposition to bike trips. And then, lastly, there's we're having conversations about starting a theme school called the Bike School. So, having a charter school that uses the bicycle as the pivoting point for all classes, so tying math to to the bicycle, tying physics to the bicycle, tying social studies to the bicycle, um, clearly, they would have to meet all the core curriculum, but using the bicycle as a way to um to energize and excite people and get their creative uh, problem solving. Uh, energy tapped into. Yeah.
1: I think I would have enjoyed physics much more if a bicycle was involved. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) (laughs) That's wonderful. So what would be your one piece of advice for, you know, two individuals in Colorado starting up their own community bike organization and seeking to make this large impact and to kind of close the loop and hire within, um, and provide that youth development and that job training?
2: I have one word, partnerships. <laughs> 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 the resources to do this well and in a comprehensive way are so difficult to raise if you go it alone. And so our key to success has been finding dedicated partners that help us to achieve our goals. And um, you know, ultimately merging, but but like the partnership with the s- school principal and teachers, the partnership with the local bike shops who offer jobs to our students or make donations of bikes that people didn't pick up in their store, which tend to be higher quality than the regular run-of-the-mill bike, um, partnerships with sponsors who support our Youth Bike Summit event um partnerships with the, the health department who understand that physical activity, and r- currently there's a, a grant out to redesign your your school for a healthier place to to attend, and, and so I have a school applying for a bike rack or a grant to get bike racks at the school. So, uh, you know, and people don't think of the Department of Sanitation, but the sanitation workers voted the bicycle one of the top most hated items to throw into the dump trucks. Like, <laughs> they're much happier talking about bikes as an item to recycle than cans and paper. That's so boring. So, like, we mm-hmm. thought, uh, parks department. you know, how to run an engaging after-school program I was like and take them on a trip or teach them how to do build a bike. So Mm -hmm. for us, it's been all about mobilizing resources with the people who share our vision.
0: Um, In my community work, I've had the good fortune of working with you and being a recipient of your generosity and partnership. So if you could just speak briefly to where that comes from for you. It's like a driving force for you. And not everyone that runs a business or leads a not-for-profit behaves in this way. Um, so what's, how does how that work for you? Where does that come from this um, collaborative uh, motivation and just your generosity in mentoring um, people starting out or even at various stages of their um, organizational journey or lives?
1: Yeah and I think sorry tying on to that Katie I support that question because it's it's this you mentioned it Karen but the triple bottom line the obviously the financial aspect of it is key you need to stay in business um you need to make a living but your motivation seems to be mission oriented you just you want to see that succeed and you want to help others and Make a living while doing that as a priority? I think
2: it actually comes, um, I think it all started when I was an exchange student in Brazil. And I had grown up in a rural community that was very homogeneous. And when I moved to Brazil, I lived with a family, and the father was a doctor, and I would go on uh, visits with him during summer vacation to the outskirts of, of the city we lived in and saw very poor communities, and I had never been exposed to that before. And I think that just um, made me realize how privileged I was. And, you know, being a woman with a master's degree is is a privilege that many people don't dream of and will never get so I just feel like it's important to share all the wonderful opportunities I have and help other people and just help other people.
0: (laughs) To learn more about Recycle a Bicycle visit them online at recycleabicycle.org. Join us for the next Sustainable Business Fridays where we'll be speaking with Rebecca Moses, Sustainability and Agriculture Manager at Impossible Foods, Inc. BARD MBA in Sustainability. Lead the change. Learn more at bard.edu.